Welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gamison, and as always, I am privileged to be your host. I'm excited about today's episode where I will tell you some of the podcasts that I have been listening to in 2022. As a podcaster, I think it's very important for me to encourage fellow podcasters and to let my audience know what it is that's been encouraging me as I myself listen to podcasts. So periodically, I like to come to you with an updated list of those shows, and I'm excited that that is the main topic for today. But before we get to that, let's talk about what is going on. First of all, I want to bring us to the Supreme Court where an important case on school prayer and more broadly religious freedom is currently being heard. This morning, the Supreme Court hears arguments in one of the most important school prayer cases in more than a decade. That's why you saw a picture of the Supreme Court. It involves a football coach at a small-town public high school in Washington State and whether he can say a prayer at midfield after the game. Now, the school district told him he cannot do that because it looks like he's endorsing religion. But the coach says that violates his constitutional rights to express his religious beliefs. Jane Crawford is outside the Supreme Court with more on this story. Jane, good morning. Good to see you. Thanks, Gail. Good morning. You know, this case really is about where to draw that line on public school teachers and coaches expressing their religion. As you said, Coach Kennedy said all he wants to do is say a prayer on the field after a game. And it's up to the students whether or not they want to join him. But the school district says he took it too far and it cost him his job. It started just by myself, uh, just saying a silent prayer by myself out on the 50-yard line. For years, assistant football coach Joe Kennedy said a short prayer on the field after every game. I would just take a knee and thank God. But soon his players noticed. After months, a couple of the players asked me, oh, what are you doing out there, coach? And I said, I was just thanking God for what you guys did out there. And well, they said, can we join? I said, it's a free country. You so, didn't ask them. Oh, God, You no. didn't say, we're going to pray no. after the game. No, the school is very, they, they have one rule in, in their policy that says you cannot encourage nor discourage kids in prayer. The solitary prayer grew to a large huddle. Was it in Jesus' name or was it more of a general prayer? Well, I would say in your name because we have kids of all different faiths. A retired Marine, Kennedy, says the on-field prayer is part of what he says is a covenant he made with God to give thanks. But some parents complained. He is pressuring them to pray. Students, parents came forward and said so much. The school district in this small town west of Seattle told him in a 2015 letter to stop. Rachel Lazar is head of Americans United for Separation of Church and State, which is supporting the school district. The coaches are authority figures, kids admire them, they want to please them. And that's why the courts have been so careful to protect the religious freedom of students. This is about the game. Kennedy temporarily stopped praying on the field, but then had a change of heart, prompting the district to later suspend him. He sued, and the case now sets the stage for a key Supreme Court ruling testing the bounds of the constitutional right to religious freedom. Kennedy says the school district is discriminating against him by prohibiting prayer. The school says it cannot allow the prayer because it would look like it endorsed it. A California-based federal appeals court sided with the district, saying Kennedy was not engaging in private prayer, but instead was engaging in public speech of an overtly religious nature. 
in the center of the field with students who felt pressured to join him. Students can huddle all they want, and that's fine, and there's nothing coercive about it. It's when a teacher or a coach gets involved and pressures them, then it becomes coercive. How should the court draw that line? The line is prayer. If he wants to go pray on his own, that's fine, even when he's on duty. That's where the big rub was. They're telling me where I can actually practice my faith, and everybody should be able to practice their faith. First of all, let me say, as I've been researching this story, which has actually been ongoing for the last several years, as you heard uh, in the clip, I have seen people posting comments like they should follow the advice that Jesus uh, gave to the Pharisees and pray in private uh, because then he will be rewarded for praying in private and he won't stir up the controversy of praying in public. But first of all, I want to point out that that passage is in reference to the motives of the Pharisees. Jesus was pointing out that the Pharisees cared more about being seen of others than about doing the will of God. And I think as you hear Joe Kennedy express his heart on why he was praying on the field after the game, you can see that his motives appear to be in the right place. Here's what I want to bring out more than anything else. The Constitution guarantees the free exercise of religion. This whole idea of the separation of church and state was never in the Constitution and was actually part of a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to a lady because she was worried about a particular church or denomination becoming the main church or denomination in the United States of America. And Thomas Jefferson wrote his letter to encourage this lady that we're not going to have an official religion here in America, we're not going to have an official church here in America, because the reason that we are forming America is for the freedom of religion, not for, as that group in the clip says, freedom from religion. So that's the main thing I want to get across. The second thing I want to get across is that Coach Kennedy made it very clear that his purpose was not to coerce his students into praying. This was something that he chose to do on the 50-yard line after the game, after everybody had left, and he was doing it because he was committed to honoring God with his career and giving God praise for the opportunities that he was given on the football field. I think it's very significant that he said that he prayed after every game because there are people who are just playing devil's advocate in the comments and they say things like, does God really care that much about football? And the answer to that is most definitely not. God doesn't care who wins on the football field. God doesn't care who loses on the football field. But he does care how we conduct ourselves in whatever sphere of influence we have been given. And so I think what Joe was trying to do is show a good example to the kids under his care. 
The second thing I would mention is that while he may have, in the broader strokes, uh, violated school policy, the bottom line is for the schools to say that they have the Constitution backing them, they are dead wrong. The reality is that schools try to use a misunderstanding of the Constitution to give them footing on their anti-religious stances. And I don't know who first lodged this complaint against Coach Kennedy, um, but I would venture to guess, based on other stories that I've heard, that there were probably two or three people who saw this and decided to stir the hornet's nest and cost a man his job. I would also point out, by way of biblical example, the example of Daniel in the book of Daniel, when he prayed three times a day to God with the door open in his room. So he was praying humbly, but also publicly, not being ashamed of the God that he served. And as a result of that, he was cast into a den of lions. Now, he very well could have gone into his room and shut the windows or gone to an even more private place than his room apparently was. But he did not do that because he was not ashamed of his faith. So I commend Coach Joe Kennedy for taking this opportunity to continue to express his faith. Um, I, I do hope that the Supreme Court does rule in his favor and that we see a new birth of religious freedom in this country, partially as a result of this court case, because really that is what America was founded on. This idea that we can come and worship freely the way we want to. And I think it's a very bad misinterpretation of the constitution and the Bible to say that he should just pray totally privately and that he has no rights to publicly express himself. Uh, we're in an era, as I've said many times on this show, uh, where everything is offensive and that needs to end. The other thing that I often think of, at least myself, is what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could result from a child acknowledging God's place in the universe and more importantly in his life. Maybe they would learn to be kind, responsible adults who want to contribute to society. And what could be bad about that? The next story I want to bring us to involves Twitter. Now, Twitter has been at the center of many a firestorm in the last few years. They've been notorious for banning people with whom they do not agree, including the President of the United States. One of the ironies we've discussed on this show is that the President of the United States was banned from Twitter while leaders of the Taliban had active Twitter accounts and how that doesn't really add up. Well, some big changes are afoot in the Twitter universe now to some news yeah and apparently it has happened uh, we know that uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, elon musk put in an offer of almost 44 billion dollars to buy twitter and apparently uh, we're hearing it is now a done deal 
that uh, Twitter's board, after much consideration, has decided that they're going to take his offer. Uh, the last we heard, it was around $54 a share. But because, as Sandra pointed out earlier, the share price was rising, uh, Musk might have had to kick in another billion or so dollars. But it looks like Twitter is going to be transitioning from a public company to a privately held company now with Elon Musk uh, at its head. And, uh, Sandra, everybody's wondering what this is going to mean. And apparently a lot of liberals have been almost losing their minds over this idea. This is a done deal. Uh, the press release is official out. Uh, Elon Musk to acquire Twitter. Uh, the deal, $54.20 a share, $54.20 a share. Uh, the news the news we knew was coming as of a few minutes ago, John, because Twitter shares, which have been spiking mm -hmm. in anticipation of this news, were halted a few minutes ago pending news. Uh, so the stock is still not reacting because it's been halted so that yep. this press release could come out. Uh, but this deal is valued at approximately $44 billion Dollars. I mean, that is an unbelievable amount of money. Uh, it will become a, uh, upon the completion of this transaction, a transaction, Twitter will become a privately held company. And it goes back to that Wall Street Journal piece that Bill Hemmer and I were digging into last hour. What exactly does this mean? And what exactly will he do with this company? Many are wondering whether or not he'll expose the algorithm, algorithms inside that company, shake up uh, leadership within that company. Will, see, will employees who have threatened to leave if he buys this company, will they actually follow through on that? Um, there's a whole lot of questions about what he is going to do with this company. But it is, as of a few moments ago, it's a done deal. And, and Musk has disclosed his approximately 9% stake in the company. Yeah, well, he want, said he wanted more transparency. He wanted less censorship. He said that uh, he hopes that his critics will continue, his own critics, will continue to be active on Twitter because that's what free speech is all about. Tom Shalou is with us. We were, we were going to be talking about a different topic, Tom, about woke world gone wild. Uh, but this is uh, some breaking news here and uh, wondering what your thoughts are. The fact that every time you hit tweet, uh, the man at the top is going to now be Elon Musk. Well, obviously, this is a victory for free speech because he campaigned on free speech and he said, I'm buying the company to make it more free. And I think I noticed this morning a tweet from Elon Musk. He said to those people uh, who criticized me, instead of leaving Twitter, I want to welcome you to continue working on the platform because... I want to hear your voice as well. So he's mm -hmm. telling his critics in a way that, you know what politicians do, whenever they uh, win an election, they say, hey, I want to reach out to the people who didn't vote for me. He's kind of saying that. He's saying everyone is welcome on Twitter. So I would hope that this is going to reverberate and maybe some of the other high-tech companies who have been engaging in censorship and shadow banning and other things are going to follow suit and say, hey, maybe people are serious about this free speech thing. Okay, first of all, Whenever something happens with Facebook or Twitter, it is a big deal because millions of people worldwide and in the United States are connected to these sites. A few months ago, there was a big story about how Facebook went down and that took down Instagram and WhatsApp, which are also owned by Facebook. So they wield a lot of power. Uh, they claim to be a private company that has a right to to ban whoever they want while at the same time being a major player in the news market and in the sphere of public opinion which makes it very difficult for them to be so partial because the idea behind 
news journalism is supposed to be impartiality. Of course, we know that that is ultimately impossible, but I think the most important thing is to acknowledge your bias and to let everybody that's listening to you realize the perspective that you're coming at issues from and not shy away from it. For instance, this is a Christian podcast, a podcast that believes that the Bible is true and that we need to seek to do our best to follow its commands and encouragements because following Jesus and following his word are the way to life. So all that to say, when someone like Elon Musk buys Twitter, it shakes things up. Now, I will not sit here calling Elon Musk a conservative or the greatest bastion of conservatism ever. But what I do appreciate about Elon is that he is willing to push back against the woke culture and say, I want Twitter to be a place where people can freely exercise their views. And you heard in that story that he wants people that disagree with him to stay on Twitter because that is what social media should be about, the free exchange of ideas. I've said before on this show how the very formation of America came from the free exchange of ideas that was put forth in the Continental Congress. We would not have a country if these founding fathers didn't get together and hash out their differences and in many cases agree to disagree to form this nation that would be based on freedom and would be a place of opportunity for everyone to enjoy. Now, we have our black marks, as we've discussed on this show before, but the thing that has helped us to overcome so many challenges is, in fact, the freedoms that we have through our Constitution. So I am excited about this purchase by Elon Musk. I hope that he stays true to what he has said about providing a place for free speech, and I hope that he is willing uh, to continue to stand by his uh, assault on wokeness and that people will once again feel comfortable to express their views on Twitter as they feel they should and not be censored because they disagree with someone. I have long said that I do not mind at all having discussions with people um, that I disagree with on a myriad of issues. The problem that comes in is when we stop discussing issues and when instead of attacking someone's view, I choose to engage in personal assaults, that is not good either. If I disagree with you, it does not make you less of a person. And if you disagree with me, it does not make me less of a person. We need to be able to be in a place where public dialogue on any number of issues is acceptable and the norm. And I'm really excited for what this acquisition could mean for social media going forward. As a podcaster myself, I really enjoy listening to other podcasts. So now I'm going to take an opportunity 
to share with you some of the podcasts that have been encouraging to me in 2022. So I hope that you'll enjoy and that you will check out these podcasts and please leave feedback on what your favorite podcasts are or let me know what you think of this list by responding through the feedback options that will run at the end of the show. I would love to hear from you. That's the way that I make decisions that will hopefully make this an even better podcast. So with that being said, our quote of the day comes from Proverbs, and it says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. So I know that not every podcast episode that I have hits a home run, but my prayer whenever I come to the mic is that I would say something that would encourage even one person in this journey that we call the Christian life. And if I do that, I feel like that is a win as a broadcaster and a podcaster. So now I want to share with you five podcasts that I'm really enjoying as we speed through 2022. The first podcast, I will admit, I have a personal bias towards because this is actually a newer podcast project of longtime Speaking for Him podcast co-host Adam McNutt. For several years, Adam McNutt was a morning show host with CeCe LaBarge on 99.3 Joy 99, and he and CeCe decided that they wanted to broadcast together again, and so they started the Mom Millennial Podcast. It's CeCe and Adam. So, this is episode one of the Mom Lineal Podcast with Cece and Adam. I can't believe it. It's happening. We've only talked about it for 17 months. <laughs> well, that's what it's like working with a millennial. <laughs> the mom... My- I had to get my 17-month uh, beauty sleep in, and now I'm feeling <laughs> rested and ready to go. <laughs> okay, let's back up the bus a little bit. Adam, what year was it that you and I started our radio show together? Um, Boy, if we add in 2020, it's been 23 years <laughs> since we left. <laughs> uh, no, it was, uh, it was six because we started in January of 2015 already. Was it January of 2015? Yeah, it was crazy. Here's how crazy it was. Your daughter, who's in college now, was not even in high school yet when we started. I remember you talking about talking with her about starting high school. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well, I got talked to from the powers that be at the radio station. I had been <laughs> in radio for a long time. <laughs> long time. And they said, will you consider coming back and doing the morning show, which I didn't have any interest in doing at all because I hate to get up early. And, and will you consider um, being a partner with this Adam McNutt? And my reaction was the intern. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you were an intern, but you were actually a full fledged employee of the radio yeah, station. Yeah, I was just there eight hours a day with you too, but it's no big deal. Um, <laughs> literally, it was we laugh about this all the time. I'd worked there 
four and a half years already with and I thought you like, were still volunteering. Like, oh, are you here for a tour? Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. Yeah. So um that's it's fine. It's fine. It just means I left an impression, right? As a as a good intern. Well, the first impression I ever had of you was when I was out doing a live broadcast. Was I at like a um car dealership? Somewhere. It was a car dealership or some it was some retail place. I remember that. I don't know. And I was outside and you were learning how to what we call run the board. And so <laughs> you were back at home base at the radio station. I'm out in the field doing a live broadcast and you had left me potted up, which means I was on the air when I was supposed to be off the air. And I was, I was such a diva back then. I was flipping a lid and I'm like, rah, rah, rah. well, you got left alone in the studio with someone who was supposed to be showing you how to run the ropes. Oh my goodness. Imagine your first day of driver's training and the teacher's like, okay, I'll be in the break room. Uh, we'll see you then if you drive. And I'm like, ah. and I potted you up and you started talking and I was like, well, I'm fired. <laughs> As you can tell, they have great on-air chemistry, and I'm just so excited that Adam and Cece decided to jump into the podcast space. Uh, a funny story, Adam and I worked together on the Speaking For Him podcast for about seven and a half years, maybe close to eight if you count the time that he came back briefly but for a lot of time and a lot of episodes, we worked together on the Speaking for Him podcast. But I went to uh, a party for Adam uh, for his 30th birthday uh, a while back. And I was talking to some of his friends. And one of his friends mentioned that they were trying to get Adam to help them start a podcast because they knew that he had radio experience. And I said, well, did he tell you that he was my podcast co-host for seven plus years? And apparently he had not passed this on. So I always joke with Adam that he gets involved in projects and doesn't do a good job of promoting them, but he has done a good job of editing and promoting the Momillennial podcast and so I'd encourage you to check that out. It's just such a fun podcast to listen to. Um, they usually talk about comedic topics rather than serious topics, um, but it's just really good and lighthearted, and I think you'll enjoy it. And I've had the privilege of being a guest co-host on that show twice now. I'm hoping for a third time. But Adam and Cece, I really appreciate the work that you do on the Momillennial podcast. This next podcast, I did not expect to like as much as I do. This podcast is called Cooper Stuff, and it is hosted by John Cooper from the band Skillet. Now, I'm not a big rock music guy, and so Skillet is not on my music radar most of the time. But because I listen to The Wally Show... I was listening to an interview with John Cooper and Wally, and they were discussing his podcast, Cooper Stuff, and I realized that while I may not appreciate his music genre, John Cooper has a passion for the Word of God, and most importantly, a passion for rightly dividing the Word of God. And the reason this is so important is because there are so many people that are claiming the Word of God 
as the basis for what they teach while trying to make it say what they want it to say. They are adding new age thoughts and progressivism into Christianity. We did a whole series on this several weeks back when we talked about 12 problems with modern Christianity. And that's the type of stuff that John Cooper seeks to address in his podcast, Cooper Stuff. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Let's jump into this thing. Okay, I'm obviously on the road. Sorry this room doesn't look as nice as usual. Right in the middle of my series, The Leftward Drift of Christian Elites. We're, we're, we're breaking that up, but this sort of fits in, if you ask me. If, if you, let me just remind you what my thesis is. This is my thesis. Our Christian elites are letting us down. We need a rise of the lay people. This is the lay people that are, don't have Bible degrees and they don't get the clout. They don't have all the big media platforms. They're not writing for TGC. They're not writing for Desiring God, whatever. Um, we need a rise of the lay people. That is the normies. That's people like me. We just love the Bible. We love Jesus. We want to train the next generation in true biblical faith. That's all that we want. That's why skillet, that's why, excuse me, skillet, that's why this podcast exists. I do not care about building up my platform. I've already got a platform. It's called Rockin' the Free World. All right. And when I say it, I don't mean it like the Neil Young kind of free world. I mean actually rockin' a world that is free. Okay. Free to rock. Anyway, so I've already got a platform. I don't care about the clout. I don't care about the whatever. All that I really want to do is train people in biblical faith. That's it. Now, the reason that John Cooper has come to the forefront on not only my radar, but kind of on a national radar, even before I heard him on the Wally show, is because he has gotten pushback from supposedly Christian circles on his conservative views on abortion and marriage, things that the Bible clearly speaks about specifically God said that before he formed us in the womb, he knew us. And he said that marriage is between one man, one woman for a lifetime. These should not be controversial views within Christian circles, but sadly they are. Another thing that's controversial is that we have, as I said earlier, adapted a progressive form of Christianity in a lot of ways where we no longer say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Or where we say that Christianity is universal, that you don't have to make a specific commitment to Jesus Christ in order to be a Christian. This, of course, is not true and is totally opposite what the Bible actually teaches. And I appreciate the way John Cooper lays out a biblical worldview. And so I would encourage you to listen to this podcast, to test it, to search the scriptures like the Bereans and see if the things that John says are so. I think you'll be blessed and I think you'll find that he comes from a sound scriptural place. Because I think, as I've discussed even recently about the issue of education, I think we've gotten this the wrong idea about Christian ministers as well. I think a seminary education can be beneficial, don't get me wrong. But I think that one way that we are struggling in Christianity is to think that because someone has gone to seminary, they know more than we do. We need to remember 
John Tyndale's work. His whole goal in making his English translation of the Bible was so that the plowboy could know as much of God as the priest. And that's really the attitude that we need to take as we are encouraging people in the faith is to realize that they need to build up their own faith. As a minister of the gospel, my goal is not to get you to follow me. My goal is to get you to follow God. And so I really appreciate the perspective that John had there on the need for lay ministers to rise up and say, hey, we can do this. We can teach each other. We can encourage one another. And the the book of Hebrews tells us to exhort one another to love and good works and so much more as you see the day approaching. And I appreciate John's dedication to that and I applaud him for taking a stand in an increasingly hostile quote-unquote Christian arena that is losing its grip on absolute truth. The next podcast that I want to share with you is the Hallelujah Amen podcast. I don't know if you're familiar with Baylor Wilson, but let me just encourage you to become familiar with her. I became familiar with her a few months ago, and I believe her first single is Jesus Happened, talking about her testimony about how she was living one way and then Jesus happened and everything changed. And she is someone that is sold out to Jesus Christ. Uh, Her whole presence, if you watch her on a video or if you listen to this podcast, exudes joy. And I'm so excited to be able to recommend her Hallelujah Amen podcast to you. Hey, what's up? I'm Baylor Wilson, and my goal for the next 20 minutes is to direct your attention to the one who can save your soul, deliver you from oppression, and who loves you far more than that boy or girl you're trying to date. I'm kind of joking, but not. My prayer is to raise your faith and encourage you with real-life stories, testimonies, and more that will hopefully cause you to fall deeper in love with Jesus. Hallelujah! Amen! As I said, I'm just super excited to see her shining for the Lord Jesus, and I've been encouraged in the few episodes that I have listened to from her podcast. So I would really encourage you to check out the Hallelujah Amen podcast hosted by Baylor Wilson. And I just think it will be a blessing to you and encourage you as you continue your walk with the Lord Jesus. And incidentally, I would really like to have Baylor on my podcast. So that could be something that you could be praying about that we could work that out. Next, we have the Holy Mess podcast. Now, I told you before that I was introduced to John Cooper's podcast, Cooper Stuff, through the Wally Show. And it's interesting the connections you make through your journey in life. And this next one is no exception because I started listening to the Wally Show several years ago on JQ99. And then I realized that it was part of a national network called Way FM. One of the other hosts on the Wally Show 
is Becca. And Becca has since moved on to Middays at Way FM, but she started a podcast with the afternoon host on Way FM, Joy. And Becca and Joy uh, really have a fun but sometimes serious look at the holy mess that is the Christian life, how we all struggle, but that God can give us the power to deal with our struggles if we trust him. Life is messy, but instead of encouraging you to get it together, what if instead we help you find the holy moments in the midst of the crazy? We're Joy and Becca, and we're thrilled to announce that we're launching a brand new podcast where we admit our faults, but we have fun doing it. And whether we're commenting on pop culture, sharing stories of when life throws you curveballs, or even covering what we've learned in therapy, we're finding the hope in all of it. Tell them what your mom bought you. It was for my 30th birthday, which I think makes it funnier because she's like, I have this gift for you. I'm so excited. You're like a getaway to Mexico? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe it's going to be like a nice piece of jewelry, something really sentimental for a milestone birthday. She pulls out this giant bag. So I'm like, what on earth? She got me a gallon of ranch dressing. (laughs) Did it come with a squirt top or how on earth? No, it's it's a poor top. I don't need to be slowed down by a squirt top. So anyway, we both love ranch. The gym, it's attached to my child's daycare. So as I'm going to get my measly eight pound weights, I was like, there's my baby. Oh, he's outside. (laughs) And I need to tell you that the entire room was packed, Becca, with dudes. And I'm trying to just pump. I'm doing my biceps. So I can't hear how loud my crying probably is. But I start to notice that one by one, the men start leaving. No, no. (laughs) Because I'm like... I was trying to get it under control, but then I looked in the mirror and I thought, this is feminine strength. I can cry and pump weights if I want to. And if you're upset, Chad, you can walk out. That's what everyone says is, you gotta make me time, which, let's be honest, is garbage advice. Define me time for us, because clearly neither of us know. (laughs) I think it's a bath. Sometimes, yes, but sometimes when life is chaotic and swirling around you, it is just stepping on the porch and going, So join us for the Holy Mess podcast coming Thursday, January 27th. And they are about 11 episodes in, 11, 12 episodes in, and I just really appreciate their perspective on life. For those that may not know, Becca's husband has struggled for several years with a chronic illness, and I really think that gives her a depth from which she shares It's a common saying that your mess becomes your message, and I really feel like that is happening in Becca's life and that you will be benefited from listening to this podcast as she honestly talks about her struggles but also points you to where victory can be found, and that is in the Lord Jesus. This next one is a political commentary show by a young lady named Liz Wheeler, And I just appreciate her uh, unapologetic conservative stance on many issues. Now, I know that some people may take issue with my speaking on current events, but I really feel like as citizens of the United States, we as believers need to be able to look at current events from a biblical conservative worldview. I think it's important to speak out on the issues that matter to us. As I mentioned earlier, that is kind of the foundation of the United States of America. There's plenty of countries 
where we don't get the opportunity to express our views. But the United States is one where we do have that opportunity. And I'm thankful for Liz and her willingness to speak boldly. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. Conservatives, this is your wake-up call. Fight back against this destructive Marxist ideology. Big tech is essentially using left-leaning organizations who claim to fact-check to silence anybody who disagrees with their radical leftist ideology. I will deliver the research, every issue, every controversy. First is the stage of development. A zygote, and then an embryo, and then a fetus, and then a baby when it's born. But does that stage of development mean that that baby is not a human? They tell us that if we don't do something, if we don't pass the Green New Deal, that our Earth is going to die in 12 years. They said the Arctic would no longer enjoy ice. If they've gotten every single thing wrong in the past, why would we believe them now? The five stories the mainstream media refuse to report to you. Marriage is the best anti-poverty program ever. AOC, cultural Marxism, teachers unions. In the history of our world, where has socialism ever ended in anything other than death, destruction, and oppression? The purpose is to delegitimize the United States of America. If you think my Twitter feed is feisty, you have no idea. That's why we do what we do to fight for this country so that it remains unified, it remains one nation under God. Unapologetic. I don't think it's ever a tragedy for a baby to be born never backing down this is our time this is our opportunity why would we let that go if you let these hypocritical tyrannical politicians take an inch even with the excuse of an emergency they will take a mile so let them take nothing from you period i just want to point out two things that she said first of all she said that marriage was the best anti-poverty program ever And I really resonate with that because there is documented proof of it. And I, I am reminded of what my brother said about a lady that used to be a liberal activist and now is a conservative commentator, Star Parker. And she talked about her story where she was on welfare, where she was getting all this assistance from the government. And then she realized that, she needed to uh, embrace a biblical worldview and she got married and now she's living a victorious life. Now, please don't misconstrue this. It's not saying that you have to be married to live a victorious life, but there are plenty of quote-unquote single people who shun marriage but are still having babies and living with people not their spouses and don't have the firm foundation that marriage gives. It's not just a piece of paper. It's the way that God orchestrated for our society to continue. And we're struggling as a society because we have downgraded marriage to just a piece of paper. And the other thing that she said that I thought was telling is there's never a wrong reason for a baby to be born. And I, I, wholeheartedly believe this because so many people, their justification for abortion comes down to the reasons why they can't handle a baby, but they don't consider the humanity of the baby. The humanity of the baby has nothing to do with the life circumstance under which it's born. So I just really appreciate the uh, no nonsense way that Liz lays out the, issues of the day and I think it could be encouraging to you as you seek to dialogue about these issues in the marketplace of ideas I really hope that you have been encouraged by this list of podcasts 
that I have mentioned. And as I said, let me know what your favorite podcasts are. I'd be glad to hear about them. That's about all I have for you this week. But before I go, I just want to let you know that next week I will be posting my 500th Speaking for Him podcast episode. It's amazing that for 499 weeks as of this episode, I have been posting the Speaking for Him podcast. That's every week since October of 2012. And I marvel at that, and I marvel at God's goodness over that time. So we will be celebrating that on Saturday, April 30th, at the Brands on Division in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And then I will be posting the podcast that we recorded that day on this feed the following Wednesday. So stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for your support. Again, if you have any feedback on the episode that you just heard, please contact me and let me know what you think. And tell me your favorite podcast as well. Perhaps we can encourage one another. With that being said, I will simply say, have a great week and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 